0: Hey, Bob, do you remember the ALS Cold Water Challenge? I do. <laughs> you do? The Ice Bucket Challenge? Oh, Great yeah. Great for raising money. Horrible for decon. Unbelievable. That's, but that's okay, because uh, we've got a solution for you. Do you? It's yes, we do. It's the decon field guide, which you can get
1: on iOS,
0: Android, and even on your trusty desktop.
1: It's your ultimate sidekick.
0: Yeah, you DCON. can... S- you can search a chemical by its name, its cast number, uh, or even threat symptoms uh, that is going to appear in this app's library. Yeah, so you can,
1: you can use this app to find out if you need Dahlgren, if you need fibertech, or what you need to neutralize this pesky threat. So they got your back.
0: Yeah, this is a great field guide. If you absolutely don't know what you're doing, but you want to look like a superhero to all your coworkers and your boss, boom, right off the bat, you can share reactivity concerns, you can suggest ratios, and you can also know the dwell times that different solutions are going to need to sit in order to break everything down. So don't just sit there picking your nose, go get,
1: use that finger, and go into the store and buy it, or get it, at least. And speaking of that, can't we just go and get some training? I mean... Why would they use
0: the hazmat guys for the training partners? I'm not sure I keep asking that question. but Me too. Yeah, they're like, I don't know. You guys came. We asked you to come and they came. Uh, But no, seriously, they come to us because we deliver experience and as best as possible, not boring training. That's because when it comes to the training, these courses that we're offering, they weren't designed years ago. They're Mm -hmm. updated with the freshest takes, the newest emerging trends. uh, And yes, does this take time, effort, and energy? Absolutely. But let me tell you, the outcome is well worth it. Yeah, we've we've taken the time to curate the finest of,
1: of our partners, props, technologies, devices. We will guarantee you that our instructors will show up and everybody will walk away. Basically, crying, and there'll be ovations
0: and bravos. <laughs> so, don't just let your potential go untapped. Choose us for your training partner and let's embark together on a personal and professional growth. Obviously, not speech because I can't talk, uh, but we will help you with your hazmat training. Contessa, contact us now or visit <laughs> us by wow or visit. Oh my God, I can't speak. <laughs> uh, the hazmatguys.com slash hire us to reserve your spot and start your transformational training experience today
1: back with the final part of our incapacitating agents. Uh, we we thought we were going to bang out two or three
0: in a thing, but you know what? It's, it's a little more than you think. It is. It is. It's important to kind of go through these chemicals uh, and – really kind of understand what they do and and how they do. Uh, If it wasn't important, then the Joint Terrorism Task Force wouldn't be putting them out in the First Responders Toolbox uh, by the NCTC. So if uh, you want additional information on this, you can absolutely go there. The First Responders Toolbox, phenomenal resource. Um, We are going to cover the third and final, which is going to be phosphine. Right. If I look a little tense, it's because we're doing –
1: Like multiple hours a day of recording and, you know, you have to get up and walk every once in a while. This is our, um, what, (laughs) sixth in a row?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. I've got blood clots forming in my leg <laughs> as we speak. Uh, I've, I've I had one of those shorter pedal
1: things under yeah. the desk.
0: I've sat less times on airlines going to other countries. So, yeah. uh, but no, we're, we're we're sitting and recording. We've got a lot of great stuff going on. We are totally redoing our LMS system. Uh, it is going to be a complete overhaul of online training. We're super excited for it. We think we've don't wanna... we've tapped the potential. I don't want to. I don't want to say the number too early, but we have
1: a lofty goal. We, we all right. So I'm going to say it. Fuck it. Yeah, say it. Whatever.
0: Two hundred titles before January first. Two hundred titles. That's two hundred individual trainings. Yeah. Uh, some of them are micro learning, right? So you get that micro learning experience. Some of them are full fledged lectures. Uh, some of them are going to be me and Bob teaching. Uh, and some of them are just going to be myself. Some of them are just going to be Bob. Some of them are going to be Whiteboard. We have run the gamut of different ways to put information in front of you. We are super, super excited about it. Yes. Um, and if you want to talk to us more about it, Bob, where can they find us throughout the year? Oh, geez. Um, I think all right. Indiana is the next one.
1: Uh, it's November 1st and 2nd. Oklahoma is November 11th. Uh, and then it looks like we're taking off the rest of the year until Connecticut, Florida, and I want to say South Carolina and Ontario, Umrah. Umrah is going to be a good one. I like. I, I'm looking forward to that one. So yeah, good times. But let's get into phosgene. Everybody's waiting for not phosphine, phosphine. A little bit different. Phosphine has uh, is not good for you. No End of story. That's that's the end of this show. Go, of go in peace. Thank you. So in low concentrations, we may have uh, some mild respiratory irritation, such as um, coughing, sore throat, tightness in the chest. Notice how all three of these guys pretty much have the same thing. There's a couple little bits that might pop up, like in the last one we were talking about, that cherry, cherry lips lips kind of thing. Um, And so you're going to see a lot of consistency. It's not that we're wasting time and saying the same things over and over. It's that we're kind of reinforcing that a lot of this stuff is consistent. So if you see these symptoms, you should be like, all right, I, I might have something like this. It
0: also could be like... Bad meatloaf. I mean, (laughs) which we have gone on runs and it has been food poisoning. Uh, So we don't want to jump to anything. Remember hazmat is a bunch of pieces of the puzzle being put together. Um, We don't want to jump too quickly to conclusion, and we don't want to take too much time to gather information before we act. But seeing somebody with emotional distress could be a sign of phosphine exposure, uh, which includes nausea, abdominal discomfort, and the occasional yakking. Oh,
1: that's nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
1: you can also get your headache. Uh, some individuals get low with low concentrations get
0: mild headaches, dizziness, lightheadedness. Uh weakness, fatigue would go along with that as well. Uh general they call it what what is it? It's general malaise. General uh, malaise. General malaise, it may occur at low levels of exposure. Right.
1: So now at moderate con- uh you know, concentration which again, there are no numbers here, it's just relative. Um, At moderate concentrations, as far as your respiratory system, you're going to have coughing, shortness of breath, and chest discomfort. It's not
0: just me. (laughs) Uh, You start to increase those concentrations. You could have stuff coming out of both ends. Vomiting increases. Diarrhea can develop. uh, And the nausea is much more pronounced.
1: Yeah. And then you have your neurological uh, effects, such as headache, dizziness. Confusion can worsen, which, again... As we saw it in the other one, you're starting to get that whole, I can't get myself out of the
0: problem right. haze. Yeah, which so, would naturally start to increase your heart rate. Uh, your blood you pressure go. starts to lower. Uh, you start having that risk of fainting, and syncope episodes may kind of start to develop. Yeah. As we go from moderate to a little bit higher, that severe respiratory distress is going to start to uh, increase, right? We got a rapid and labor breathing, difficulty breathing, right. acute respiratory failure. Bam, that's when this starts to kick in.
1: Now, as far as your lo- neurological and cognitive, which is your thinking parts, you have your seizures, loss of consciousness, confusion. Indi- individuals may also exhibit signs of central nervous system depression, so that is all this is 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 almost preventing
0: you from getting out I, right. i'm saying that over and over well you jump into at these high concentrations your cardiovascular system starts to drop into shock right so your blood pressure suddenly takes a plummet and your cardiovascular system completely collapses. and this is where phosphine becomes life-threatening right so now
1: one thing that we haven't talked about with the other ones is that uh you now have the possibility for metabolic acidosis which it can, it's basically where your, your, your system, your body's pH starts becoming very acidic, right? And your body has a very uh, finite range where it can run, you know? And so if you start really going outside that, your body's trying to fix it and it can't fix it. So the, f- the, the condition is exacerbated by the health risks. Maybe you have bad hearts or
0: prior stroke or whatever. So this is going to compound it much worse. Yeah. And you're going to see as we start to kind of develop and perfect our Toxmedic program, hint, 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 this mm-hmm. would be something that EMS would be extremely uh, concerned about as far as how they can help to bring somebody back from cardiac arrest is that, you know, uh, the treatments for that. Right. Uh, what are some of the physical hazards associated with phosphine? Um, do we have anything to worry about other than health? Yes, Ooh. absolutely. <sighs> yes. It is super flammable. Right? Um, spontaneous combustion can occur with contact of air and moisture. Uh, this is particularly dangerous when the phosphine is being generated from uh, precursors like aluminum phosphide.
1: Which is not as uncommon as you might think. Um, very it's also v- easy to get your hands on aluminum phosphine. <laughs> yeah. uh, phosphine is an airborne gas, highly volatile, which means it is want to disperse readily in the atmosphere, making it very difficult to control and contain the event
0: of a release. It can also be liquefied, so you have a cryogenic oh. hazard as well as you have a massive concentration hazard. Uh, it can be transported. It is a industrial chemical, so you could pick this up commercially. Uh, and with any of the cryogenic hazards, right, we're worried about extreme cold, potential frostbite, cold burns, and that pushing out of the atmosphere very easily. Right, and corrosiveness. Just just as if you didn't have enough,
1: super toxic very flammable, and corrosive. So it if it reacts with certain metals and materials, it presents different um, degradation to those metal things. And you might, specifically, I would say, probably in your metering, I would be very cautious of, uh, because you're using your metering to establish zones, and then this thing steps in and just smashes it. Yeah, it can... Not literally, it... but you, you get where I'm going.
0: The meter that we should never use, our nose. Uh, it can pick up phosphine. It can have a foul garlic-like odor. Uh, so think of it like your Italian grandma like forgot how to cook and uh, you're now walking into a pasta sauce that is made with awful, awful rotten garlic. Uh, The odor threshold for it is about 0.3 to one parts per million. So again, we're starting to push into the parts per billion range to be able to detect it. We're detecting it with our smell long before we detect it with our meters. Uh, Having that information can help lead us to being able to uh, put pieces together. Because if I walk in and the people are telling me that they can smell this garlic smell and I'm not picking it up on my meters because my meters can't go that low, that's a check in the box that I could be dealing with a phosphine gas. Yeah. And our gas detectors, the, the, the phosphine
1: meter can be in the range of approximately 10.1 to 11.5 electron volts. So can we pick it up? Uh,
0: Somewhat.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, yeah, I, I,
0: I hear you. But how would I know if I could pick it up? Like, what oh, would I have to do?
1: I might give you the communication through CavCom's new Talk Through Your Ears 5000, which is the latest way to talk on the two-way radio accessory
0: for your in To be honest with you, it's one of the only systems that I would want to communicate on because it is so lightweight, it is so compact, I'm not sitting there struggling with batteries before I make entry because it's literally powered by the radio that my department has given me, and I don't have to worry about what SCBA I'm wearing because it's compatible with all of them. Yeah,
1: no matter what your challenging environment might be, it is the clearest
0: communication on the market Period, And they do this through the talk through your ears technology, which is actually really cool. Yeah. Uh, and it keeps all the components to a minimum. So literally all you need is the radio, the Cavcom's oversized push to talk control unit and the universal fit earpiece. It is literally that simple. I love it.
1: So. Responding to phosphine uh, incidents, tell us about that. What, what well, if we go on one of these?
0: Well, you, can, you got a couple things that we want to look out for, whether we're responding to it or just walking around the public in general and we notice things that are a little bit off. Uh, and some of those things that can trigger us to go, hey, that's a little bit off or I have the potential for this is seeing and identifying precursors. Uh, one of those precursors is the metal phosphides. We talked about the aluminum phosphide before. There's also zinc phosphide and magnesium phosphide. They are commonly used as fumigants in the agricultural Mm. and grain storage areas. So this is something you could actually see uh, or obtain in farm country uh, that you wouldn't think is going to be used as a weapon of mass destruction, but very well could be because all I need to do is add some moisture or acid to these compounds, and it's going to release the phosphine gas. Right, and
1: even uh, phosphorus compounds such as, uh, phosphorus trichloride or phosphorus pentachloride, that can be used to generate phosphine gas when reacted with water or other soluble
0: substances. Water treatment facilities uh, have chemicals that contain phosphides. They can release phosphine gas when it interacts with water and moisture. Uh, these can include metal phosphides that are used in the purification system. So these things are readily accessible. Yeah, and any
1: strong, I don't want to say any. Most strong acids, especially hydrochloric or sulfuric, can react with metal
0: phosphides to produce phosphine gas. You know, the aluminum phosphides, they land in this category of insecticides, but they're not the only insecticides that can contain the phosphides. Um, A lot of the insecticides have active ingredients that can release phosphine gas if it is misused uh, or exposed to water. These are industrial chemicals, um, and we can find a lot of these in the industrial chemical setting, which means that uh, we need to be aware of theft that's happening in the industrial areas. We need to be aware of accidents that could occur in the industrial setting that we may be responding. To. A phosphine gas can be produced if any one of these products are mishandled. Yeah.
1: Laboratory reagents, even some laboratory reagents um, have phosphorus or phosphorus compounds
0: when mishandled, can generate phosphine gas. Now, this is a tough one uh, for a precursor because it's everywhere, but just be advised that it might be something that you come across and in conjunction with some of these other precursors makes the hair stand up on the back of your head and that's water or moisture because a lot of these precursors, all it takes is water and moisture uh, to liberate the phosphine gas and to release it. Right.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there with even corrosion products or whatever it is. Tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. Now, as far as the equipment that it takes to make this stuff, containers, bags, packages labeled with suspected metal phosphides, like aluminum phosphide, zinc phosphide, magnesium phosphide, anyone like that will do it. You're looking for drums for containers that have... Um, they had the potential. Again, that chart that we attached probably to all three of these episodes, we're going to put them on there, will help you kind of discern whether the the lab is legit or not.
0: That's the chart by Todd Burton, right? Todd Burton. Yeah, he's got some great stuff. Uh, uh, insecticide, roticides, right? We already kind of talked about the the chemicals that are in a lot of these. But if you start to just see huge quantities of these pesticides as you would that may be something to 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 kind of trigger a further investigation
1: yeah even unusual laboratory glassware anything that's like um Stuff you'd see in Breaking Bad or
0: something like that. <laughs> <laughs> breaking, yes, we are gonna we're gonna refer Breaking Bad. Uh, at, but you're right. Like, though, if you watch any of those episodes and you see the setup that they have, these are those are all things that are gonna go. This is unusual. Now, mm-hmm. it might be a, a meth lab. It might be an explosives lab. They could be trying to generate these knockdown gases uh, that that we're talking about here. So, uh, you know, you kind of walk into one of these labs. How do you know whether or not something has the potential of being having already been cooked, already been made?
1: Well, you can look for signs of corrosion, chemical reactions, uh, tinting, staining, that kind of jazz. That would be one of the things I would be looking for.
0: Odd protective gear that wouldn't normally be associated uh, with the facility, right? Unless you walk into like our houses, which has hazmat, you know, gear kind of strewn about the basement. Uh, But uh, other than that, you should be, you know, you should be looking for for those kinds of things. Uh, Odors or unusual smells. Yeah. That's a pretty clear indication. Yeah.
1: And this one has a specific one. Right, we did. We did the uh, the hydrogen was the bitter almonds. Uh, the first one was the rotten eggs. This one's more like a garlic,
0: like grandma's right? kitchen.
1: Hmm. Uh, you can have labels and warnings such as SDSs, warning labels. I haven't really seen any mad scientists with like big labels and warnings. They mostly got it up here. Uh, but maybe but the, the guys precursors.
0: The precursors would have these big they, warnings on them. You know, I think I think that's more what they're referring to when they say those warnings and labels is like, hey, you come across a package and it says may off gas phosphine gas, um, you know, you got 40 of them in somebody's garage that should trigger uh, an incident you know you arrive on scene isolation and control again we're dealing with gases uh so there is no contamination uh containment methods there's really only evacuation so um stick with your local protocols for your evacuation procedures uh stick with your sds sheets stick with your ergs these are all the things that we kind of want to focus on as far as trying to neutralize this product again this is one of those things where we would want it more to go to completion or maybe try to dilute but understand that diluting it means that we're adding water to it and for phosphines water yep. is the thing that's going to generate the phosphine gas so you know be very careful when you start to even contemplate neutralization
1: yeah and so with your respiratory once again check the box put it on your SCBA and as far as chemical resistance suits um If you get in the phosphides in the solid form, which is typically how they are, the the precursors are found, then it might be just Bunker and SCBI. You're going to have to let your mileage determine how you pick that. But if you're going for something that's um, in the gaseous format, again, let that go. Why get involved? Splash suits. You're going to have to use your own head on this one. I I don't think there's really because there's three different modes I can think of. It could be in the solid, liquid, or gas mode. Right. What's your proximity and what's your intent? And what is the precursors? And what are the precursors? You know, so, yeah. You know, with that being said, check out our friends. If you're facing any chemical spills, waste disposal, or environmental challenges, SMR Rapid Response offers expert solutions. You can reach them in Virginia, Maryland, and North Carolina at
0: 800-248-5816 or smrresponse.net. Industrial Emergency Council is a not-for-profit led by experts providing diverse emergency response training for almost 40 years. Guys, one of my favorite training companies uh, to work with. They collaborate with fire departments, public agencies, militaries, and the private sector. You want to learn more about them? Visit them at iectraining.org or call them at 650-508-9008.